0: Tuesday, May 9th. Let's play Hurdle. Today's song is Jive talking by the Bee Gees. Oh man, the Bee Gees. God, there's so much to talk about with the Bee Gees. All right, my brain's kind of exploding. Uh, where do we start? Um, well, the Brothers... And that's the term, that's where BGs came from, the brothers Gib. No, Maurice? Robin? Or the twins, right? Barry is the older one. Barry Gibb is kind of the, I always think of Barry Gibb, but it's all of them. So uh, they're Australian. So they were kind of, they had some success in Australia, then they went to the UK to get bigger, they had some success in the UK, and then of course the disco and and some of the movie stuff got them mega success in the US as well. But I always found a couple things about the Bee Gees super interesting. One, I love the creative process and I love hearing songwriters and groups, how they write, philosophies behind it, some of the tricks they used. And the Bee Gees always had a fascinating one to me because they used to write songs as children, which blew my mind. And the game they used to play growing up in Australia was when they would hear a song on the radio from a band, him and his brothers would go, hey, let's write their next song. And right there on the spot, they would write a song, a melody words and just start singing, messing around with instruments, everything, and write that band's future song. And he was like, we did that more than we played ball outside. So I mean, good grief, growing up doing that exercise, no wonder they were such prolific songwriters. Um, but I mean, they're the biggest of the big. Anytime I see a list, top 10 selling, all time selling groups and that kind of thing, the Bee Gees are up there. I mean, with the Beatles and Elvis and Michael Jackson and Garth Brooks and the Eagles, it's the Bee Gees. They're like always like number seven or eight. I remember some stat that was like some year, it's like 1978 or something where they were responsible for like. Two or three percent of all the entire like recording industry <laughs> for the whole year. The Gibb brothers. It's crazy. They're in the songwriting hall of fame. They're in the rock and roll hall of fame. They've won a bunch of Grammys. They've won all the Lifetime Achievement Award Grammys. They've had like 10 number one hits or something like that. You know, again, they're they're a top like seven. In like every single category across the board, and they wrote all their songs, so they made a ton of money. A ton of money. Uh, what else about these guys? This song was cool because going back to how they wrote songs, they also would they they loved writing melodies, but they were really big on you write on the spot, and and criticism has no place. So you just show up with the music already made and you just start singing off the cuff and that's how they would come up with most of their songs and write a lot of their songs so they would write like that all the time and this song was written from that crazy intro was from i don't remember what city it was in it was in the u.s but they were recording and so from their hotel to the recording studio every day they had to cross this bridge i think it was in florida they crossed this bridge and the rhythm of the tires of the car going over the bridge was like was doing that weird rhythm. And so they were like, by about a week after doing it, they wrote, and they called the song, Drive Talkin', which is a horrible title, right? Drive Talkin', and so they just made up in the car. And then when they made it to the studio one day, they played the producer Drive Talkin', and he was like, it's great, but to make it young and hip with the teenagers, we should call it jive talking, which to them, they're like, oh, that's great. We'll just change all the words. We'll, we'll make it about a relationship, about somebody just jive talking to you. And then, then boom, there's jive talking. Now, the other cool thing about the Bee Gees, and I don't know if it's like one brother or all the Bee Gees. I don't know. But they wanted to be in movies. So they changed producer, uh, managers at some point. And again, I think that was when they went to the UK, and they got this manager in the UK. I found two things very interesting. As someone that helps manage bands, I I love these kind of entrepreneurial managers. So this manager did two things. One, he was a movie producer also, and he got them into the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack because he was a producer on Saturday Night Fever. And everyone makes a big deal about that soundtrack, which this song was on, uh, or in the movie. They... um, they wrote all the songs that they added for that movie like in one weekend. And again, the Gibb brothers were like, we've been doing this our whole lives. Like, We can write 50 songs in a day, and it, it's nothing to us. So they wrote a bunch of disco songs for Saturday Night Fever because they actually wanted to be in the movie. But that same producer, when he was shopping their new single to other um, uh, radio stations, he saw something happen earlier with some of his radio friends when the Beatles White Album came out, which is like, what, late 60s? So almost, like, this was like 75, so it was, you know, eight years before. The Beatles just sent these radio stations an all-white-only, no-name little record for the new, whatever the first single was on the White Album. And that You know, it caused a a buzz among the radio stations. Everybody freaked out the new Beatles stuff when they played it. Well, their manager got the idea because he was listening to tracks that they were sending him from the studio. He was listening to the demos or listening to the tracks. Maybe they were finished. I don't know. And someone in his office thought it was a Beatles song. It's like, ooh, is that Beatles? Is that new Beatles stuff? He was like, no, it's this other band I'm managing now called the Bee Gees. But that went thing. So he sent their new single on a blank, no-name, white-sleeve record to every radio station. And it worked. Radio stations freaked out and started playing it. They were crediting it to the Beatles, which quickly got the Beatles people going, that ain't us. Stop telling people it's us. And then it t- then people find out it's the Bee Gees, but the damage is already done. You can't unring that bell. People like the song, and they're asking for it. And then it just took a little bit of time before... People found out, sorry, it's not the Beatles, it's the Bee Gees, but boom, we're off and running and we got radio play. The other crazy thing about this manager was he did put them in a movie, and it is a movie I have not seen, because everything I've read, it's awful, and it's so awful that like it's like two hours of my life I'll never get back. I'm like, there's a new Ed Sheeran documentary on Apple Plus right now, I think, on, his, on the Subtract album. I'm like, I can't watch this stupid movie over the new Ed Sheeran documentary. But the producer did put them in a movie, not just their music, and they're in the movie adaption of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band based on the Beatles album. And I, I don't even know what to say. It stars Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. It, it's a, I don't know. They wrote a movie around the idea of Sgt. Pepper's. I don't know. I don't it doesn't even make sense to me. The only thing that makes sense is they made like a double album soundtrack of all these artists covering Beatles songs. So that makes sense to me. Let's get back to what doesn't make sense. The villain in the movie is Aerosmith. They play the villain band. I mean, maybe I should watch it just for that. That's gotta be amazing. But that's where the Aerosmith cover song of Come Together, that was a huge hit for them, the Beatles cover, was from the Sgt. Pepper movie Uh, That the Bee Gees were in. That coupled with the disco sucks era in the late 70s, early 80s, like as that all started to, I guess it was 80s, when that started to fade, the Bee Gees were out of like, they were not popular anymore and it fell off quick. And it had to do with this movie being critically panned as one of the worst movies of all time and the backlash against disco. But that doesn't stop the Bee Gees because they're songwriters. And they wrote songs for. They wrote um, Barbara Streisand, and all these are like everything they wrote for these people were number one hits. They wrote number one hits for Barbara Streisand. They wrote number one hits for. Oh, they wrote the Kenny uh, Rogers, Dolly Parton song, Islands in the Stream. They wrote um, Chain Reaction, the uh, Diana Ross song. There's like five others I'm not thinking of. Oh, that's gonna drive me nuts. I'll think of them as soon as I turn this thing off. Yeah, sorry, but they—I mean—they just wrote number one hits for other people and just kept going as prolific songwriters and touring all over the place. And you know, I think two have passed away. I think Barry Gibb is still with us. I don't know that for sure. Let's hope Barry's still with us. All right, so that's a lot on the Bee Gees, but that is one of the biggest bands. That's a top ten band of all time. Um, they're fantastic, and this song. Is ridiculous but it's it's a jam all right that's a good one for today see y'all tomorrow you can play hurdle every day at let's and you can watch us here live on instagram at let's play hurdle